This podcast made possible by the generous support of Lilly Oncology. Welcome to the BreastCancer.org podcast, the award-winning podcast that brings you the latest information on breast cancer research, treatments, side effects, and survivorship issues through expert interviews, as well as personal stories from people affected by breast cancer. Here's your host, BreastCancer.org Senior Editor, Jamie DiPolo. Hello, thanks for listening. Dr. Aditya Bardia is Associate Professor of Medicine at Harvard Medical School and Director of the Breast Cancer Research Program at Massachusetts General Hospital Cancer Center. At the 2021 San Antonio Breast Cancer Symposium, he presented results from the Emerald Trial, comparing the experimental medicine Alessistrant to the standard of care for postmenopausal women and men diagnosed with metastatic, hormone receptor positive, HER2 negative breast cancer that has grown during treatment with hormonal therapy and a CDK4-6 inhibitor. That standard of care is either Faslodex or an aromatase inhibitor. He joins us to talk about the results and what they mean for people diagnosed with this type of breast cancer. Dr. Bardia, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. So to start, before we get into the Emerald study results, I know that like Faslodex, Alessistrant is an estrogen receptor downregulator, but Alessistrant is a pill and Faslodex is an injection. So before we get into the Emerald study, could you explain how alessistrant works and how it's different from tamoxifen and the aromatase inhibitors? Absolutely. So alessistrant is a selective estrogen receptor degrader or blocker, and that's how it's different from tamoxifen because tamoxifen is a selective estrogen receptor modulator, the point being that Inacestrin can not only bind to the estrogen receptor, but also degrade it, which tamoxifen cannot do. In terms of the difference with aromatase inhibitor, aromatase, inhibitor does, aromatase inhibitors do not block the estrogen receptor. They lower estrogen, so they have no impact on the receptor per se. The way aromatase inhibitors work is they lower estrogen. So the mechanism of action of inacestrin is novel in the sense that if the it's an oral selective estrogen receptor blocker, which we've not had before in clinical practice. Okay, thank you. And I have to believe that most people would prefer to take a bit a pill than to have to go to their doctor's office and get an injection. I think it's once a month, like Faslodex. That's exactly correct. And that's the advantage of Elacestrin. It's twofold. The first is that it's oral as opposed to uh, a shot that's uh, given with Fulvestrin. And the second is that in preclinical models, and we saw it in Emerald trial as well, elacestrin is better as compared to fulvestrin in terms of clinical outcomes. Okay, great. Now, could you summarize uh, the Emerald study for us and, the, and also the results? Absolutely. So Emerald was a phase three clinical trial that directly compared Elacestrin was a standard of care endocrine therapy, which could include either fulvestrin or an aromatase inhibitor. It was a global trial and enrolled more than 400 patients who were randomized one-to-one to either elacestrin or standard of care endocrine therapy. 
In terms of the study results, the bottom line is that the trial was positive. It met its primary endpoint. Patients who received elacestrant had a 30% lower risk of disease progression or death as compared to standard endocrine therapy. We also looked at a subgroup of patients who had a specific mutation in the estrogen receptor, the so-called ESR1 mutations. Those are mutations in the estrogen receptor per se. And in that subgroup, there was a 45% reduction in the risk of uh, disease progression or death in favor of elacestrant as compared to standard of care endocrine therapy. And finally, in terms of overall survival, again, there was a trend in favor of elacestrant as compared to standard of care endocrine therapy. So the trial met its primary endpoint. It showed that elacestrant is a better uh, endocrine agent as compared to standard endocrine therapy in terms of outcomes. In terms of side effects, patients who received elacestrant had more nausea as compared to standard endocrine therapy. But besides nausea, the other adverse events are pretty much similar between the study arms. Okay, thank you. Now, I, I do want to ask about the previous treatments that the people in the study received, because my understanding is everyone in the study, the cancer had grown while they were being treated with hormonal therapy and a CDK4-6 inhibitor. Is that correct? That's exactly correct. So if you look at our treatment uh, landscape, first-line therapy uh, comprises of endocrine therapy plus a CDK4-6 inhibitor. Patients eventually have disease progression on first-line therapy, and then they get second-line endocrine therapy, and that's where the MRL trial comes in. So it was designed as a second-line, third-line clinical trial. Once patients have disease progression on first-line therapy, then after that, comparing elacestrin to standard-of-care endocrine therapies, which is what we use in clinical practice. Okay. I guess the thing I, I don't understand, and excuse my ignorance, so if the cancer had grown while it was being treated with a CDK4-6 inhibitor and either an, aroma, and an aromatase inhibitor or um, Faslodex, then the standard of care in your study was either Faslodex or an aromatase inhibitor. I guess that's what I'm not understanding, because it's, to me anyway, if I, and I'm probably misunderstanding something, it sounds like the cancer already grew on those treatments. So how does that become the standard of care? That's what I was confused about. Yes, absolutely. And that's an excellent question. And this point uh, comes up you know, often, and it came up yesterday as well. The key is that there's a switch in endocrine therapy. So if there's a patient who receives an aromatase inhibitor plus CDK4-6 inhibitor as first line, in the second line, we use fulvestrant. So we switch the type of endocrine therapy before going to chemotherapy because chemotherapy is much more toxic, has more side effects, is less effective than endocrine therapy. So coming back to the example that you were saying, if a patient gets an aromatase inhibitor plus CDK4-6 in first line, has disease progression, then in the second line, we would use fulvestrant. We would not use the same endocrine agent. We would use a different endocrine agent as second-line therapy, and that's where this trial was designed. Uh, you can also look at the opposite scenario. If a patient gets fulvestrant plus a uh, CDK4-6 inhibitor as first line, as disease progression, then in the second line, we would use an aromatase inhibitor. So the idea is to switch the type of endocrine therapy and get the maximum mileage out of endocrine therapy options before we go to chemotherapy. 
Oh, I see. I see. Thank you for explaining that. And the idea is that this would give an another option, a third line option be, before going to chemotherapy, because that's really what you, if possible, you want to keep people from going to chemotherapy, because as you said, it's more toxic. That's exactly correct. That's exactly correct. And so that was the intent. Can we come up with a newer endocrine therapy option that can improve the outcomes of patients so we can delay the use of uh, intravenous or toxic chemotherapy. Okay. And I do want to ask a little bit about the ESR1 mutation. Now, my understanding is that cancers that develop that, that is going to make them more likely to be resistant to hormonal therapy, whether it's Faslodex or an aromatase inhibitor. Is that correct? That, that is correct. The resistance is more to aromatase inhibitors than fulvestrant because what happens with ESR1 mutations is that the tumor becomes estrogen independent. And aromatase inhibitors work by lowering estrogen. But if the tumor is estrogen independent, aromatase inhibitors would not work. Technically, estrogen receptor degraders like fulvestrant should work in that setting. But the problem is fulvestrant is not the best uh, estrogen receptor degrader. And that's why there's been a need and interest in developing better estrogen receptor degraders like elasestrant. I see. I see. Okay. And I do want to ask, too, you've mentioned that um, your future research is going to look at combining elasestrant with a CDK4-6 inhibitor. Do you think that then that would sort of move up in the chain? Would that kind of become a second-line treatment as opposed to a third-line treatment if it's successful, or is that a premature question? No, absolutely. That's exactly the intent. Um, I will clarify, Emerald was a second, third-line study, so it included both second-line and third-line, and if the drug gets approved, that's, that'll be the usage in the second or the third-line setting. But we can also potentially look at combination therapy as first-line, Currently, aromatase inhibitor plus CDK4-6 or sometimes fulvestrant plus CDK4-6 inhibitor is used as first line. If elacestrant is a better endocrine agent, potentially elacestrant should be combined with a CDK4-6 inhibitor in the first line setting. And that's an ongoing plan, uh, planned study, I should say, to look at uh, this oral CERD with a CDK4-6 inhibitor in the first line setting. Okay. Okay. Well, that sounds very promising. And I guess finally... If you were talking to your patients that were diagnosed with this particular type of breast cancer, what what does Emerald, what do these results mean for them? I, I know that the company that makes Elicestron is, is uh, working with the FDA on approval. Um, do you see this coming soon? Do you see this becoming a standard of care? I think so. I think this would potentially be a standard of care in the future. It depends on the timelines in terms of uh, potential regulatory approval. Overall, I would say that this is um, great news for the field. And I say that because of three reasons. The first is it's great to see a newer endocrine therapy option for patients with ear-positive breast cancer. Second, there are a number of other oral selective, uh, oral selective estrogen receptor degraders in development by other companies. So this is great news for the field in general that these oral surds, as we like to call them, could potentially be better than currently available endocrine therapy agents. 
And the third is these drugs would potentially work even in early breast cancer. And if these drugs are utilized in early breast cancer, we can potentially prevent disease recurrence or metastases. So it's great news for the field of endocrine therapies in general because we have a potentially new option and other similar options that will be coming from other companies. Thank you so much, Dr. Bardia. This has been really helpful in understanding these results. Absolutely. Thank you again for having me. Thank you for listening to the breastcancer.org podcast. Please subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. To share your thoughts about this or any episode, email us at podcast at breastcancer.org or leave feedback on the podcast episode landing page on our website. And remember, you can find a lot more information about breast cancer at breastcancer.org. And you can connect with thousands of people affected by breast cancer by joining our online community.